This is the discourse for Africa by Africans. The African voice for Africans. The discourse. Thank you for joining me on this podcast, The Discourse. Conversations on the discourse analyzes major developing news, events and burning issues on the African continent. It examines the state of wellness of Africa, its economies, lifestyles, politics and democracies from experts' point of view. I am Imor and I tweet at Imorich. What type of stupid question is that? What type of stupid question is that? Bankrolling who? Do you know who you are talking to? Bank, I will not take any questions from this man. What type of insulting question is that? Which, which bankroll? For, to do what? Who can give me money for anything? Who do you think you are talking to? Bankroll what? Go and report yourself to your publisher. Bankroll what? Please don't insult me here. Okay, I don't want to take any questions from this man. Very stu- I could see from your face before you got here how stupid you are. Don't ever talk to me like that. Who do you think you are talking to? Bankroll who? You think, you think that I, I, I'm one of those ones you'll be... From who? From how? When? Where? How? You have a small mind. Very small mind. Don't judge me by your own standards. I've been in politics since 1990. I'm not one of these politicians you think will just come. I was taking, I've been locked up how many times by this government? Suffered. I've been persecuted. Unlike most of the politicians you follow for brown envelope. You. Don't, don't ever judge me by that standard. I spend, I don't take. And I'm not a poor man, I've never been and I'll never be. Bankroll how? Don't ever suggest that to me. I'm, I'm sorry that was deeply insulting. I don't often get annoyed in press conference. I've been doing this type of thing for many, many years. Don't you ever make that kind of suggestion. Bankroll who a former minister, a lawyer. Don't ever try that with me again, no. Don't, please. You see me well, don't ever. All right, I have a short fuse. Recently, social media has been on fire after a video in circulation shows a former Nigerian Minister of Aviation, Femi Fani Kayode, abruptly leaving a press briefing after pouring abuses on a reporter, Ayo Charles of Daily Trust newspaper, a local media in Nigeria whom he said asked him an insulting question. Ayo's simple question was, who is bankrolling your tour? And that got Mr. Fanny Kaudi's fuse cut short. Few days later, another video of same minister raining abuses on another journalist in a recent Zoom interview surfaced on social media. Human rights organization Amnesty International has called for an end to these incessant attacks on the media and journalists in Nigeria. A statement released on Amnesty International's Twitter page called for the pattern of attacks on media and journalists seeking accountability on behalf of the people to end. Mr. Fanny Kaude, on his part, had since apologized, but journalists in Nigeria say his short fuse is one too many. This is not the first time journalists and the media at large have been harassed, in some cases arrested and detained while their media houses are sanctioned or clamped down. Would the case of Daily Trust newspaper's Ayo Charles been different if he was a foreign journalist? How long would the media in Nigeria continue to be oppressed and gagged? 
My guest on the discourse is Amnesty International, Nigeria's country director, Osai Ojigo. Let's quickly have uh, the thought of Abnes International. Uh, what, what do the organization make out from the action of a former Nigerian minister in a press conference verbally assaulting a Nigerian journalist? Uh, when we initially heard about the incident, um, we were quite perplexed because we wanted to understand the context in which um, the story came out. And then to think that this was um, in a press conference that they had been invited to and that they were, uh, and that journalists there were merely just following up in terms of uh, questioning and trying to get even more information regarding the whole purpose of um, the trip and what it all entails. So it was quite shocking that uh, in the first instance you invite journalists to a press conference and you then use the same press conference to actually abuse the journalist. So it means that journalists the way um, society is viewing journalists is diminished by that action. That for us is a big um, issue. The second issue is that someone asking you a question, you can politely decline. There are other ways through which you can respond mm-hmm. to the question without you targeting the person, the qualifications, and actually the character of the journalist. Because the journalist as a person is just a person. But a journalist that is there is floated also with the role that that journalist plays, which is to be the voice of um, disseminating information, receiving and disseminating information to the public. And so it's something that we felt needed a clear, as in there was, there was no doubt in our mind, that this clearly was a breach of one, the journalist freedom of expression, or two, the freedom of the press, which oftentimes uh, tends to be dismissed in our climate because of a lot of pushback and a lot of uh, misconceptions about the role the media and the press in particular play in ensuring that we all can exercise our rights. Well, over time, um, we know that journalists across uh, the sub-region and Africa at large have been receiving such treatment, not just from government officials, and this treatment includes arrest, detention, among others. How can this trend be changed? Uh, The government does need to do um, a rain check. They need to evaluate their actions and they need to also evaluate the reason why they are doing things. Because if you are here to serve the people and your role is to be able to provide a public service, then the government needs to recognize that they would come up for scrutiny and it's also part of accountability and transparency that we're all talking about. And that they need to be open to all kinds of scrutiny by all people that they represent. The other issue is about the constitutional duty of the government to protect human rights. So you can't say because you are not happy about what someone said or what somebody reported, then you use the machinery of power, whether it's the security agent, whether it's laws, whether it's intimidation or other tactics that are available to you in order to harass and oppress someone else. The constitutional duty of the government to protect human rights means that in all cases, 
they must ensure that all the rights that Nigeria has signed up to in the international treaty and also it contained in our constitution are respected. And it begins freedom of expression because freedom of expression is one way through which people can um, give opinions, but it's also another way through which people can be sensitized about what is going on in government. Resisting that or trying to blockage it or trying to intimidate journalists to a particular line is not only detrimental everybody's access to information but even the government themselves because they will never truly know and understand what is going on in society if they are not able to have an independent feedback mechanism so it's about them reviewing and reassessing how to respond to the media when you are in the business of governance so what role do you think the media uh, itself, media organizations, media owners have to play in this, in ensuring that rights of journalists and the freedom of the press to carry out duties of such are not abused? Uh, the media has a very important role to play in enforcing and protecting freedom and all the rights of their um, journalists and media practitioners. They cannot be a passive actor in this at all. So what the media that is not doing a lot is also standing up and speaking up whenever any journalist, it doesn't matter whether they are in your establishment or elsewhere, it's harassed or intimidated because they're sending numbers. And when a network actually responds to this issue, the government, the security agents, everybody just takes notice and said, Oh, look, if you touch one of us, you touch all of us. So that solidarity is very key. The second thing is about training and awareness raising. A lot of journalists also know that they have uh, constitutional protection. Many of them will quote section 12 of the constitution, then they will go ahead and say, oh, even um, we are the only ones are specifically mentioned to carry out this thing. But many of them are also not aware in and cannot articulate fully hmm. what those human rights mean, hmm. what their duty actually means, what they need to also to protect themselves from unnecessary abuse, whether it's cyber attacks, whether it's physical threats and abuse or when, when they're on the beach. And that needs to change a bit because you cannot open, you cannot be vulnerable when you're on the field carrying out your task. The final one is for the journalists to work with NGOs to push for laws that actually protect um, human rights defenders and journalists. And whenever there are cases like we've seen recently in Nigeria concerning the Nigerian Broadcasting Code, earlier attempts by the National Assembly to push a social media bill, to push a hate speech bill. Whenever those occasions occur, it's important for journalists to be on top of the issues, to understand the issues, and to be able to give independent analysis on the bill, on the laws, and why Nigeria should pass certain laws or to discard certain laws. We need journalists to be up on their game. They need to understand this issue so that they are better able to protect themselves and in that way mm. protect all of us right to information and to disseminate that information freely without any um, endurance or intimidation. Mm. Indeed, thank you very much for your time and for speaking to us. My pleasure. Thank you so much.
My guest has been Osai Ojigo, Country Director, Amnesty International Nigeria. That has been the discourse. I am Imo and I tweet at Imorich.